0: Dude, I didn't even know about putting it in your ass, dude. Somebody told me about it, like, fucking three months ago. It swims up to the dildo that I have in my pants. Welcome to The Mouthpiece, episode 11, part 2, with our awesome interview with real kid poker, Daniel Negreanu. So tune in for part 2 here on The Mouthpiece. Welcome to The Mouthpiece, episode 11, part two. What'd y'all think of part one? I hope you enjoyed it, because what a great interview we have with Daniel. Whatever you didn't hear yesterday, it gets twice as good today. So I hope you're all looking forward to that. I hope you enjoyed part one. We are now on Thursday and today is the start of the World Series for me. I'll be playing the 1500 Omaha 8 or better today at three o'clock, and hopefully I knock that one right out of the building to start. Anytime it's Omaha 8 or better, I like my chances. I think I've made 17 Omaha 8 or better tables since 1997 and that's at four a year, and they didn't have PLO8 until about 2007. To give you an idea of how I've done in Omaha 8, no matter what anyone says, people have big egos, but I know tournament, live, shorthanded, head up, I will take myself in Omaha 8 over anybody on the planet that's not a challenge to anybody Uh, once I get money it's a challenge to anybody but since I don't have that much right now I can't bet with money I don't have I used to do that many years ago not a smart thing to do so that is my tournament today and um, that's it so in case you haven't bought a piece of me at the world series this year i'm selling 50 percent of myself in the 10ks i think the 1500 packages are sold out there's still some 3ks uh 2500s uh 5ks so check them out at youstake.com. and here we go part two of a great interview with that real kid poker daniel negreanu i hope you enjoy the mouthpiece If you'd like to take part in our phone call segment, you can give us a call at 702-329-0480. And if you're a snowflake or a pussy and you don't want to talk to me, you can email me at mouthpiecepodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow me at the TheMouthMatiseau on Twitter for times that our call-in segment will be live. World Series week, part two, here on The Mouthpiece. Let's hear what our call-ins have to say today. Welcome to The Mouthpiece. This is Mike Matasso. What's going on? Hey, Mike. What's going on, my man?
1: So, So tell me how lucky you had to get to beat Matt Ashton heads up for a bracelet 2013. You mentioned that a few times on here.
0: Oh, when I beat Matthew, I didn't have to get lucky. He made the Cardinal, the big... He's a. By the way, he is a fantastic poker player. One of the best in the world. But he made the cardinal rule mistake you can't make when you have 90% of the chips. And that's when you raise with a 10 up and the small card protects and hits a wheel card, you gotta fucking give it up. Or if you call on fourth and the guy hits perfect on five, you gotta fold. You can't be giving him like the big bet that he basically gave me a free double up and then the next hand I made a ace high flush and a six low and the rest was history but if he never gives me more than the the 50,000 original bet I never get any chips to hurt him you know what I'm saying so that was uh, sure that was his mistake and trust me uh I guarantee you he's thought about that hand many times But and the funny thing was, is after I got him crippled and down to two big bets, it took me 20 minutes to get his two big bets because I was never giving him more than the annie, and uh, ever. So, you know, that's what happened there. It was great. It was one of my best wins ever.
2: How do we uh, how do we get more uh, mixed
1: games uh, on TV or in the local casinos here? Well, we're working on
0: no limit on Poker Go. They've had they get like a mixed game, like the they play the i think they play the one two thousand game uh once or twice a month on poker do you have poker go of course yeah yeah of course do you, i have a i haven't watched it in a while but i know they were they were playing it for a while i watched the deuce to seven game it was so boring i couldn't watch it anymore but uh well
1: so how do we get so so sometimes to seven is boring sometimes is boring right you know we want people to start playing you know hundred dollar $300 you know little mixed tournaments on these we no do. limit where they go to the casinos and
0: play 10 no limit tournaments Dude, we do. how do we make how do we make these more exciting from- i don't know man we got well we're we're pushing mixed games uh people are bored of no limit uh they see all the top top players in the 10k mixed and the fields are growing you know people uh, are getting – it takes it listen it's it takes a you know as well as i do it's, it takes it's hard to master all the games you know and now there's so many new games even i even i'm only average at some of the games where i used to be like top five in every game so uh, it's all right it's uh they're fun i love it anyways i got some more calls i gotta answer and uh thank you so much and uh give us a call anytime all right
1: cool we'll love the podcast thanks a lot for doing this it's you been got a it, blast to listen to keep thank you up.
0: thank you buddy Take you bye
1: sure bye
0: Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike Madaso.
1: This is uh this is Jesse Jesse Martin.
0: Je- My yeah. man Jesse. What's going on, buddy? How's it going?
1: Uh, um yeah, no, I was just I was just going to ask um you know, I've been listening to all the podcasts and a lot of good stories on everything, right. but uh I kind of wanted to uh, you know, get into a little you know, quick, you know, n- nothing big, quick strategy with you. Um, you haven't really talked about, you haven't really given the listeners any Omaha It or Better tips uh-huh. yet. So yeah. I was just wondering po- post flop, Omaha It or Better, you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind when someone asks you for tips or advice or something like that?
0: Well, you, you mean like post flop? Uh, yeah, okay. post
1: flop. You know, everyone kind of has their, right. their theories and a way to play pre flop, but post flop is, is kind of obviously this is, where the game this
0: is. This is really, absolutely, this is what I go by. You're going to have. Your aggressive players to play a lot of hands, right? And then you're going to have most of the people that won't ever, won't ever enter a pot with, well, without an ace, which is probably what? 80%? Unless it's like late. It might be a little
1: high, but yeah, I know what you're saying. People who are going to play very premium. They're
0: going to, they're going to raise. like if somebody raises under the gun, you know, they got aces or one, two, four, you know what I'm saying? And if somebody calls a raise on the button, you know that, they probably got like ace 3-5, ace whatever. The key in Omaha is locating the aces is the most important thing. So look, let's just say it goes raise under the gun, call by a tight player in a two-hole, call by a medium-tight player on the button. I can't tell you how many times I'm in the small blind in a tournament that I three-bet it with the three nine jack queen double suited or some fucking garbage ass because you know all the low cards are out that it has to come high then all of a sudden i comes like not i hit i nail the flop i bet out they think i got like ace deuce they try and steal it from me and raise it and i just bury them in a pot but also especially late in a tournament is you'll i'll fold the one two three if it goes raise under the gun uh, by a solid player, called in like the three hole by a real solid player. I'll th- ace-deuce three nines in the muck a hundred out of a hundred times. You're, you're never getting more than a quarter and people don't realize like ace-deuce three rag, you have to flop gin on the wheel cart end. You know, like if you have ace-deuce three queen, ace-deuce three ten jack, you know, you could make, you go both ways, you know what I'm saying? A nine is just – an eight and a nine are just awful cards. And and with uh, with uh, two people already in, there's just the car, small cards are out and you're always playing for a quarter. So you just – it's all about recognizing. You can really get an idea of what cards are out. You know what I mean?
1: So, so the nine in that scenario you're saying makes all the difference. If the they have ace, two, three, queen or ace, two, three, king,
0: now you're – Well, yeah, if, if the ace is suited, I got ace, two's three, queen or ace, two, three, king. Now if, if it goes raise, call – i'm still gonna three bet it with the king with the queen if it's double suited i might and the other way i might just call but you know you don't really want to let the blinds in either because uh, because you've already got uh, a raise and a call and there's a good chance uh you could catch a a queen or a king and you know and and win a big pot you know because you know they don't have those cards so I could talk to you some more about it off, off
1: the line. No, that's cool. That's, that's, that's yeah. good stuff. I, I, yeah. I, 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 I knew that your audience wanted to hear a little yeah. of that, so I, fi- I figured I'd... Uh, I figured oh, yeah. Just just since I've been listening, I'm like, hey, Mike throw some, uh, some strategy in there? So I figured I'd uh, get a little out of you. All yeah. right, Jesse,
0: I'll see you Thursday, man. Take care. All right. Take a, give that baby already. a big hug and a kiss. Take care. I will. All right, bye-bye. All right. Yo, welcome to the Mouthpiece. This is Mike Matisseau. What's
2: going on? I'm calling you from Miami, Florida. I play right. poker as a hobby. What's your name? And I'm a fan of yours. What's your name? My name is James.
0: Nice to meet you, buddy.
2: Um, I, nice to meet you, sir. My name's I'm James Long. I've, I followed you for at least the last 20 years of your playing. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of yours. Uh, uh, I play poker as a as a hobby. I would like to play more, but uh, uh, unfortunately, you can't do it when you can't do it. But I I saw the the message before and I wanted to call and just I wish you well. I hope you do good in the main event and uh, God bless you and your family. And I wish you all the luck in the
0: world, Mike, man. Thank you so much. I and mean, that means a lot to me. And, uh, this is the healthiest I've been in four years. I'm feeling good. And I think this is my year. So, uh, I appreciate I, your call. I appreciate your support. It means a lot to me. And, uh, hopefully I, 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 I take down. One I of think
2: these I, I, I think you're due. I think you're overdue. I just want to tell you that my, my favorite, I'm not, i I, and you know, him very well, I, Phil Hellmuth is one of my fans too. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a I'm a big fan of his. Mm-hmm. When I see you guys at the table, that's just right there. I just all I want to do is just stay tuned when you guys play. When you guys were in the national heads up final like 12 years ago, yeah. that made my day. Oh, 2013,
0: it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, shit.
2: well, okay, six, years like, ago. six years ago. Six years ago, but I mean, I remember watching. I mean, to this day, I'm like, God, that's that's a classic right there. If yeah, that, it really if that could only happen in the main event, that'd be fantastic, Mike. No shit,
0: I agree. Well, man, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, tell all your friends about the Mouthpiece Podcast. We're working hard. No, not a problem. We're trying to uh, make it believe. fun for everybody, oh. and, uh, and I hope you enjoy it.
2: Uh, no, thank you, Mike. I'll call again, So, God bless you and take care. Thank you very much. Take care, buddy. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.
0: The Mouthpiece.
3: This is Matt Savage, founder of the TVA, and you're listening to The
4: Mouthpiece.
0: I'm not gonna say anything more political than this. Is I was too stupid to understand that. Oh, you like this guy? I like this guy. Okay, and I just thought it was fun because Matt Glantz is like, oh, tell Daniel to stop with the Hitler shit. He's crazy. He's just-. and so so I was just like, really? He's saying all-? I'm like. So then I got into it with you. I had no idea of Trump's history with the birther thing. I had no idea. I just know that I took a 20 questionnaire and Trump came up as my candidate. So I said, okay. And I was in bed. I was bedridden and I'm thinking, all right. uh, Okay. So that's the candidate I'll pull for. I had no, and see, that's another thing. Dude, there's going to be another bloodbath in 18 months. It's going to divide the country. And, one thing I could say about you and me, we might be opposite on things, but we want the best for people. We care about people. We want to see people uh, get equal chance at the American dream. You know what I'm saying? It's just we go about it different ways. That's the only thing. We want to love everyone. We want... There to be no wars, you know. what I'm saying we have all that in common.
3: Well, I mean, yeah. Obviously, you're right. Like when it comes to politics, when, mm-hmm. when you have two groups, two, it's tribal, mm-hmm. right? Very. For one for one group of people is, you know, being fed information from typically their own circle, right. and then other people are in their circle, and that's why when they discuss things, it sounds like you're talking to an alien because right. you're getting it. It's like you're. It's like one person is telling you two plus two is five, and the other one comes like, oh, are you crazy? <laughs> two plus two is seven. Exactly. It's seven. And then you look at the person and you go, how did you get five? It's seven. And then you end up getting to a place, unfortunately, with the way that they you know, sort of the rhetoric, and I was right. in it as well in the last one. And I, right. I actually don't think this this is going to be as bad uh, as the last one. I don't. I, think it's, I hope not. I don't think it'll be good, but I still think at this point um, I don't think it's going to be as heated as I, the, the last one was. Because I just of, had no because idea of the, because of the contestants that were involved. Right. They were so polarizing on both right. sides. So you had Trump, which is a polarizing figure. You had mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton, who's a polarizing figure. I think in this case, people have made up their decision on Trump, whether they like mm-hmm. him or not. Right. I don't think that's going to change in the next year. And then whoever the candidate is, mm-hmm. there's, there's nobody running. That's going to be more polarizing than Hillary Clinton was. Right. So I just think it'll be a lot less um, fight. I, I also wanna, think there's exhaustion but, on both sides where okay. people are just Exhausted by the daily cycle, right. and a lot of people I know are completely shut out. Watching any of it and it's like awful. reading about it and just kind of like they want to live a life. And I, you know, I get it. Listen, right. a lot of people who followed me or you on Twitter, they follow us for, you know, they want to hear about what's going on in our poker games and right. other things. Like, they don't need to hear every one of our opinions on every single bit of legislation. Like, we're not right. politicians, and you know, we're allowed. To, we are entitled to our opinion, and when you right. feel strongly about something, you absolutely should speak right. out. You shouldn't feel. Like you shouldn't. It's just like ultimately, you know, after years, you know, you seeing years of it, it's like, for the most part, it really just doesn't go anywhere. Like having these Twitter debates for days I, with people, just back and forth, back and forth. Like one person's dug in, the other person's dug in. Like, what are you wasting time for?
0: I look back at 2016. I didn't know shit about politics. I just, like I said, I got this thing. I said trouble with my candidate. So I just, I had no fucking clue that when Matt Glantz said to me. Tell fucking Daniel to stop with his Hitler shit. And he's going crazy. Now I know when I was like eighteen, they used to say, "Don't discuss politics or religion." And of course, you know, I never understood it because I didn't, I didn't know nothing about politics. Like. In 2016, I was 70% right. Now I'm where most, most people are. I'm f- like I'm five degrees like right of center, where most people are five degrees right or five degrees left, which is why I have no clue why the Democrats are running like these crazy left-left-left so- policies when uh, Tr- they can never win a, ma- a major election. That's why Biden, I guess, has it locked up. I don't know.
3: Well, who knows? I mean, there's right. a lot of time till then, but right. obviously the Democratic Party is split, and we know that. Bottom line is, like, we can get lost sometimes and mm-hmm. not realizing, like, everything you put on the internet and the Twitter world or whatever right. stays there, you know? And yeah. it's Kind of like I've learned people, that now. We live in a much, we just live in a world mm-hmm. that is much more hypersensitive to everything, and it sucks because I come. But from don't the you world feel like that's one of the
0: biggest more, problems? Is this PC culture?
3: I mean, well, it, hold on. When you say biggest problems, I'm going to say, listen. I'm going to say it's definitely a different world. I'm not as comfortable with, like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, and all these guys. They won't go on college campuses anymore because right. their jokes are considered too offensive. And it's like, well, a joke by nature is supposed to be offensive. I mean, I the ones all- the fun that I find. I go believe ahead. in celebrating. Like, I believe in celebrating our differences and joking mm-hmm. about them. And like, right. if people heard me and Phil Ivey on the golf course together, like, <laughs> both of us would be reprimanded. Of course. So, like, all the. This- all the cracker jokes he sends me and oh, you know, what I order for him after nine holes. It's like <laughs> we go, we laugh about it. Like we come from that environment. And today I think kids are being trained negatively in a sense of like they're looking for reasons to be offended by things that aren't even really all that related to them. You know, like it's like, it's not even a- about them. And I get that. You want right. to be empathetic to the struggles mm-hmm. of what people are going through. But if those people themselves are not bothered by it, right. you know, it's kind of odd that you would be like, I found that like there was, you know, a couple of things that, you know, that I've done or whatever said in the past that mm-hmm. were obviously controversial or whatever, and the group were, that was supposedly, like, marginalized or, or whatever, they laughed. Yeah, it, of course. The people, that were, the people that were, like, attacking me were typically, like, young white kids,
5: mm-hmm.
3: right? And I was like, this was, like, me sort of celebrating, you know, like, my friends that I grew up with and things right. like that, but, like, and none of them were offended, and I didn't really get much sense from the people that were supposedly the ones that are supposed to be offended, but, yeah, so as far as your question is, is like PC, I do think like, I do think we're at a place that's a, sort of a critical stage because we're getting to the point now where Doyle tweeted something and he got, he got called sexist for this. Yeah, it's so he was wishing me and Amanda, you know, he, he wished me and Amanda. Well, he said, I'll tell you, repeat it for those that didn't. He said like, yeah. I've been married 59 years. And he's like, I'll, I'll give you one piece of advice. You know, if, uh, if you see a wall that's black and she says it's white, it's twice. You just say,
0: right?
3: yeah, well, he's like, oh, you're right. He's like, oh, yeah, I just huh? thought it was black. It's a joke, right? It's a joke. Right. It's just yeah. a joke. It's fun-loving. It's not you know, attacking people. Yeah. But then we got people responding saying it's sexist because it's stereotyping women as That's being crazy true. or stupid, right? And I think when we start to – here's the problem with what they do. When they start to have fights like that,
5: mm-hmm.
3: it actually denigrates and hurts the real fight. You know what real fights look like? Yeah. There's definitely profiling in terms of, like, police brutality in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. There's, like, there's real struggles that minorities face. Or, Absolutely. you know, women face in terms of equal rights and in terms of, like, you know, uh, fair pay. Right. But when you focus on these microaggressions, if you will. Yes. What happens is everybody stops listening to everything else you've got to say.
0: There You're is, right.
3: It's just like, oh, my, it's like, oh, brother, I, you know, are you serious right now? Like, I can't even tell an innocent joke like that.
0: you're you're so right and you know I told people I said comedians should be they could say any gay joke any any n-word they're comedians they're just that's what they do they make people laugh and you know like even even though I disagree politically with Bill Maher I watch his show every Friday and he even he even says he's like the PC culture's destroying the Democrats and you know, I, I, I agree. You know, I just, I never, people were trying to like call you out and I'll never forget the party we went to when you dressed up as the Jamaican guy and we had all that fun and they were like, Oh, look at Daniel wearing blackface. I'm just like, give me a fucking break, man. That's like, he's fucking Daniel's like the least fucking racist person in the
3: world. They just, well, I'll tell you what, well, people don't like, and I, and I talked about this in the, in a blog and whatever, and it's obviously come up a couple of times mm-hmm. of like, Think about it. I'm like 31 years old. 31 when at 30 years old or so when it happened, I was married right. to a Korean woman, right? And I'm going to do this skit and she decides, you know, she's going to cover my face and like, you know, to, to make me in the Jamaican costume. Right. All full. Right. I grew up with my best friends all being Jamaican. Mm-hmm. I grew up idolizing Bob Marley. Like I love this culture. When I was at a party, when I was like 11 or 12 years old, I think I was at a party with like 70 black people. I was the only white kid. The girls to make me feel comfortable thought it'd be funny to paint my face black and then I danced and I rapped and I did reggae and all that stuff with them. So like I grew up in an environment where like, you know, there was no sort of connotation, which I understand now, you know, like, um, you know, the American history of when, you know, what would happen was white people would steal jobs that could potentially be going to blacks in film by wearing a black face. Right. So I would never want in any way, shape or form to denigrate people or to, you know, cause any pain like that. I, all I was doing was like fun loving. So to be characterized, Mm for something like that as though, you know, you're racist or anything along those lines, it's like, it's so backwards because it's quite the opposite. It's actually me admiring and showing love for a culture that I I adore. you know? And uh, so, you know, I obviously know now, like I would never do that again, Mm -hmm. right? But for people to think that I had malicious intent and I had videographers and my wife and everybody Mm -hmm. doing it with me, that I was like actually trying to have some sort of negative stereotype of people, was, it's just kind of surprising, right? Like, and like you said, but, I didn't grow up in America, so I grew up with mostly Jamaican people. That wasn't an issue in the culture that... But you even know, in I the 80s, it wasn't a,
0: a, an issue. It's like, I never did it, oh, but... Oh, no, it
3: was. People I used it to... was. Like, now that I've done a lot of research on it, like, really? it's always been a thing. Like, but you know what? The, the, the way that I always thought of blackface is like in the movie Bamboozled, where mm-hmm. people do the big red lips, and then they do like, they sort of characterize and make fun of. Mm-hmm. I was actually like trying to do like an authentic... You know, oh, Jamaican I, costume with dreadlocks, hair, and like the Bob Marley skin tone, which right. you know she went darker than I would have liked. As it turns out, But you know maybe we, you know, in, in hindsight, it was a bad idea. But like, none of us in the moment were like, "Oh, watch this! We're going to totally like smash on people!" Like, obviously, obviously, like how crazy do people think I am that I would openly do something that would be considered like? you know, violent, like evil, like evil or racist or anything like that. Like, why would I ever do that? Like, do they really think that me doing that means that I have any lesser opinion of another race? It's like people looking to be outraged when there's really nothing here. Like, no. yes, that happened. And by the way, it was 12, years, 12 13 years ago, you know, ages ago. And people bringing it up now well, it, to say, it's, like, look at look at this guy.
0: Look what they're doing with some of these young kids that get drafted. And, and are like, they see their tweets from when they were, like, 15 or 16 and they're like and they try and hold it against them and destroy them. And it just seems like our news on both sides is like what can we do well, it to destroy to Kevin somebody?
3: It happened to Kevin Hart recently when yes. Kevin Hart was he was supposed to host the Yes, uh, I
0: had his the, back the big time too. It was disgusting.
3: And he, he used to tell jokes when jokes maybe they were really inappropriate or whatever in today's standards but mm-hmm. they were related to, you know, to homosexuality or right. something like that and like People dug him up, these old, old tweets, and, you know, and he he apologized had, for it. He had
0: already apologized like like six years before that or whatever, and they
5: literally Here, tried the to take thing. his career you know, here's,
3: here's down. The biggest thing we're, here's the biggest thing we're going to agree on, okay? Mm-hmm. And I've had this discussion with a lot of people that are very progressive and left, and, you mm-hmm. know, pol- pol- policy-wise, we're very aligned with mm-hmm. my views for the most part, mm-hmm. but not, well, not, I would say 50-50. What they don't understand is you want progress, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to have patience and respect for those that are not as involved as you on this issue. So, for example, when a 65-year-old man from Texas, he's a dealer at the World Series, right? Old guy, grew up, he sits at the table, and he says, well, hey there, Maria. Why aren't you looking pretty today, honey? Right? Mm -hmm. He is not, in any way, shape, or form, trying to hurt her. Mm He's not doing anything in his mind to demean her. It may be seen as something we don't do now. You Mm -hmm. know, you don't don't say things like honey to a girl or whatever like that but this guy doesn't know that so maybe the way to approach it is be kind to this man who was trying to do a nice gesture say to him listen you know what just so you know like we kind of makes me feel a little uncomfortable and i think a lot of women when you use the term honey Mm -hmm. so if you could just you know be mindful of that in the future unless you handle it that way and instead grab pitchforks and then look at this guy and say you're a misogynist racist Mm -hmm. pig piece of shit whatever like that it's like holy shit all he said was you know you look nice today honey Right. Relax. Like they have to stop. Start the starting point of attack is not the right starting point. If they genuinely want progress, then they have to start from educating people on these issues. Right? right. Educating people on like why that's offensive. Like the guy might be like, "Well, why? Is, what's wrong with that?" You know, he might not know. You know, you might need an explanation to it. If if you really want progress, the answer isn't to just you know villainize all older people from previous generations who spoke with a different tone and used a different language that is not as updated as yours. Like, if you want progress, educate before you demonize. You,
0: what you just said is something that is. I'll, I want you to relate with what I'm about to tell you. So my dad was really sick in the hospital the last four months. He's home now. He's doing really good. But we almost lost him. And when he was in rehab, he he we, have, we were having a, a pretty deep discussion, and he's like, you know, this – this nurse, black black nurse, and black lady, she's so nice. She, and he's almost in tears. He goes, I can't, I just can't believe, like, growing up, we, we thought less of black, this lady's so nice, I can't believe I ever thought the way I did. In other words, you know, when he's 90 years old, so when he's growing up, this is before, you know, when they still had segregation, they still had, and, for him to say that with tears in his eye, that's progress. You see what I'm saying?
5: That's progress. Right, So he,
3: and, and yeah, that's probably, so like the issue is I think what a lot of progressives do is they focus on language and words rather than action. So let me ask you this question. You tell me which one of these guys is like the worst criminal, okay? Mm-hmm. Person one is a guy who has never used a racial slur in his entire life. A white guy, right? Never said the N-word, never said anything like that. But his business, he won't hire any black people, okay? Doesn't say anything bad, but he won't hire black people. Okay. This other guy, he's used the term in jokes and different things occasionally here and there, but he works in the inner city and he hires, like, a wide variety of people, right? Which one in this case, like, if you had to pick? I mean, obviously— I want number you know, two. I'd cases, rather have
0: number two, a guy who, who, so, who doesn't so discriminate.
3: Case, right. So in one case, we're focusing on language, right? And if you focus on language, okay, well, the person who's never used a slur, great. But when it comes to systematic racism, this person here who's not hiring black people is contributing far more so to the negative um, progress of minorities. The other guy, you know, jokes and different things, like working with blacks and whatever, like, you know, and, and employing them and hiring them, like, his language may not be appropriate, and it never was, but his actions... And how he treats these people, and what he's willing to do with these people, to me, speak far louder than the words. And I think, like I said, the mistake that a lot of super progressives make is they're demonizing people based on language rather than yes. action.
0: Uh, this is, you know, this is incredible. Like what you are saying right now is exactly where where I feel it's like forget. If you hate Trump, he could be the scummiest human. You could, you probably hate him more than any human. I don't like him that much either. But forget that. Let's just throw that out for a second and just say, words or actions—the things that comes out of his mouth half the time—makes me want to vomit, right? But look at the United States' lowest job employment and every possible category you can ask for, economy's thriving more. And I remember, remember the economy's going to crash, Trump got a lot. So there, you know, is, do you do you want a president that talks perfect or somebody that's doing a lot for the country? Now, we could have opposite views whether you think he's doing a lot for the country
3: or not. You know, that's, you can't Well, personally, take, I think you know, when you're the president, like, you have to do both. I agree. Like, you, I, you know, you're going to be judged by your decisions and your actions. And you're also going to be judged because you're representing- you know, group of people, you know, the class in which you carry yourself, the respect you have for other nations, for our allies, for other things like that. I think that's important as well as, of course, as you said, the actions you take in terms of how that's going to affect, you know, the farmers, the coal miners, right. the, you know, the, the people that work hard, you know, in the country as well right. as, you know, you know, just the school teachers, whatever. Less so. I care less. I really do. I care far less about what a billionaire's tax structure looks like and them bitching about paying two percent more, like fucking I really Daniel,
0: man, you fucking are like a total different than you were three years ago, and so am I. We both
3: are. But, no, that's not true in terms of that. Like I, I know, but
0: you. but like, what you're you're <laughs> saying is so true. It's so true. But one of my problems, and and this is a lot. We're gonna drop politics right after this. Is my biggest problem with Trump is is. People, young kids, I remember when I was seven, eight years old, right? You look up to your president. And Trump doesn't understand that these young kids can't have him saying the things he says because young kids look up to their president. And it, the biggest letdown for me with Trump is I thought he would be way more, way, pre, he's not even, He's he took the PC culture and he just... Cut it into a zillion pieces. And I do have a problem with that. And I've I've gone on and said it. You know, it's disgusting. And um unfortunately that's what we have. But let's let's fucking let we're gonna drop politics. Let's talk about good salt <laughs> This is yeah, fuck me and you will we could talk forever. So what are your goals for this year's World Series of Poker? What are your goals for the future? And also it's been six years since I've won a bracelet in Vegas. I think it's been the same for you. What do you think? Let's make it the fucking summer. It has
3: it definitely Let's been a while. Make it the so, summer I'm of Mattisso
0: and Negrano. That's what I say. Fuck them.
3: Okay, so this year, this year I'm going to be approaching the World Series differently than I've ever had mm-hmm. at the Rio. My schedule, because I love you know chasing the Player of the Year. I've won it twice, um, and it used to be that the schedule that was best suited for that. To play the high buying events with mm-hmm. smaller fields, like the mixed games, the 10k horse, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, today the way that the structure is built, you can't really win Player of the Year if you skip the small events, because when you look at the point structure for, let's say, the, like the big 50 or whatever, the colossus, right. you're going to cash. It's like eight flights. I mean, everybody's yeah. going to cash in that thing <laughs> at, at least once. And the problem is, is your cash in that 500? If you come like 1215th or something and you get cash is about the equivalent of coming like 12th in the 10k limit hole, really? which is way tougher as an accomplishment, right? right. So it's just so, so there's all these extra little points that add up in the small field events. So for this year, I'm going to be doing something different than I've ever done. and I'm going to be playing next tourney up, which essentially means whatever's next up on the schedule, if it's a $500 buy or a 50k, I'm going to jump into that. That's with smart. some exceptions I, I can't with some that. exceptions here and there, obviously, you know, like the 50K Players Championship is going to take priority, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and things like that. But uh, overall, my plan is to essentially double, almost double the number of events I've played in past years. Because like, people think I play like all these numbers. I play like 35 events, which is a lot. Well, it's hard to play play more.
0: We've been deep in a lot. Well, last year, you had a tough year. But when you're deep, uh, in all these tournaments, like last year, I only played 15 events. I was in day three of, I cast seven times. I think I was, I was a day three of six of them, you know, it was like, and then I would take, yeah. as soon as I get knocked out, I'd take a day off because, you know, with the pain I was in and stuff, I, w- I would want to get a little bit of rest, but, you know, I could understand. I mean, when, if you look
3: at what's changed with the schedule, the World Series 2, like with Player of the Year, like when mm-hmm. Phil Ivey won it in 2002, or when he was like, he had a crazy year, he had seven final tables, and yeah, that was three breakers, Okay, He was running back made, and he forth. He had seven passes. <laughs>
5: yeah.
3: Seven casters, right? This year, you know, Sean had 20 casters. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Ferguson's had 18 casters. With a vast number of events, right? All like Mike Leah, you know, he plays yeah, what yeah. he does. He's not going to be playing this year. Yeah. You guys are doing fantasy. Do not draft him. Yeah, he did. Um, I saw that. He's got a baby. But, uh, but yeah, so, like, really volume is so important in terms of giving yourself the best chance to win player of the year. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved playing the mixed games and preferred playing the mixed game tournaments, right. but I've left a ton of points on the table that were available to, like... But I heard the it's the same exact
0: the structure as last year, I, I read, on uh, the player of the well, year. Well, the
3: point structure is the same, but okay. it has been for, like, the last couple of years, and it's just, you know, it used to be very heavy, heavily dominated okay. by big buying events in okay. mixed games, and now it's not. Well, when, when Ferguson won so two way.
0: two years ago, it was it, he could just min cash. Well, but yeah, he definitely
3: was doing that. Like if you right. look at his resume, right, he was basically late regging every tournament, right? Like max late reg, hope to so win. A you don't pot. have to last yeah. that long to cash, and then he would like, you know, he finished twelve ninety fifth. He finished six hundred and twelve. He finished one hundred eighth, and had all these little caches that you know added up to like a lot of points. And um I mean, I still prefer a system that favors the high buy-in, but mm-hmm. I'm going to take the responsibility If I want to win player of the year, what are the rules? Show mm-hmm. me how to beat them and I'll do it, you know, or, or just at least like I'll, I will adjust my playing schedule uh-huh. to try to win that, even though it's playing events that I'd, you know, I'd rather Listen. be playing like the 10K stud than a $600 double stack, no limit hold Right. but I'm going to do what I got to well, do. Well, the thing
0: is, is you're, you're fortunate. You don't have to worry about money. You've worked hard. You're set for life, whatever. And so, to you, I can understand chasing that. To I don't think that it validates anything that you are. You're already, to me, it's fun. one of the best. It's just fun. Players it's about ever. The fun. Yeah, I just you know you know fun. I can't I can't see there's a 10k going on. And you're in a fucking thousand dollar. And I'm like, where's fucking Daniel? Where I could, some or when we're making fun of Phil, and you're not around to fucking be there to make fun of him because you're in a thousand dollar buy-in on day, day one or
3: something.
5: I don't know,
0: dude. It's gonna be brutal, man.
3: Well, the the good news with the ten Ks this year is you can skip all of day one and register on day two. I know. So that gives you a little bit more time and flexibility too still get in with you know a chance to win
0: you know i don't mind at the world series but you know w- let's let's talk about that a little i think we're both on the same side because i remember you put a, a tweet out i say start every tournament at noon if you ain't in by 12 30 tough shit go to the you're out and get, and everybody's gonna show up they if i think the main event letting people buy in on day two is is disgraceful tournament poker you want you want the recreation people to have an an equal opportunity to win. I am against re entries. I really hate late regs. I, you know, six levels I think late reg at the World Series would be more than enough. And if you miss it because you're in another tournament, well, there's another tournament the next day. But like, if you look at the three PLO, 10K PLOs last, or the 25K PLO, the 10K PLO, and the other 10K PLO eight, two. Were run by people who registered on day two, and two people that made the ten k plo also registered on day two. And if you have a lot of money, I think it's an edge. Uh, but if you don't have a lot of money and you're piecing yourself, whatever you want to, you know, you want you don't want to lose one hand for somebody else's money. So I can never do that.
3: But okay, well, Mike, let me let me just correct you on one thing. Okay, it's not one thing you said is not true. Okay, and that's to say that like. If you have money, it's an edge. If you don't have money, it's not an edge. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works, okay. okay? It just doesn't. Like, the bottom line, it's either plus EV or it's negative EV. Okay. And there's no question that mo- almost every good winning player mm-hmm. will have more EV in turn if they start on time than if they start late. So it's not an advantage okay. to late play so it's, it's no, just,
0: somebody it's, it's, told it's me no, that too. They said it was just a freak that that happened last year. You're not looking at the big picture. It's not, it's not an advantage. And I'm glad you said that because. Yeah,
3: he, so here, here's the thing about late rich, right? Mm-hmm. The bottom line is this: you got to give the people what they want. Okay. Mm-hmm. People want late rich. Right. They want it because it shows by the numbers. I remember a couple of years ago, there was a 10 K PLO or something. And on at time at three o'clock when you're supposed to start, there's 30 people there. Yeah. Okay.
0: But doesn't that look Six bad later, for like. A recreational well, player on. shows up. Go ahead.
3: Six hours, later, six hours later, it's got 350 people, okay, which mm-hmm. tells you what? That either A, people don't want to play that deep structure mm-hmm. and they don't want to waste their time, or B, they kind of like the shorter days and the shorter nights and whatever, mm-hmm. and they're happy to do it. So if the vast majority of your players are late-wrenching, mm-hmm. it's because they want to and they like it and they prefer it. And it's not simply just pros. I mean, right. obviously pros are more likely to do that because, you know, they're doing other things, playing other tournaments or whatever like that. But at the World Series of Poker specifically, I think late reg is kind of important. In right. A sense I don't. Because, I'm not against um, it at,
0: at the World Series. I'm just talking like I'm talking about in like all the other tournaments around the globe at, at the same time. I
5: I just
3: think well, I I I'll tell you what I enjoy. I enjoy what you know Carrie Cast sets up at the Aria mm-hmm. with something like the Super High Roller Bowl. Right. Super High Roller Bowl, and he does this thing where if you show up on time, you don't pay rake.
0: I, I saw if that. You
3: show up late, <laughs> if you if late reg, then you got to pay like one k or two k. Or if you re-enter, you got paid. Mm-hmm. So the Super High Roller Bowl, it's a special prestigious event, and one of the reasons it is is everyone starts at the same exact time, and if you don't, you get anted off. You get chipped off.
0: Now, <laughs> did, didn't Phil get anted off defeated? like 25% of his yeah. stack a year or two ago yeah. or
3: something? <laughs> yes, he did, which is kind of – he did in the one drop too, which is just I'm madness.
0: i an idiot, um,
3: man. But, but, yeah, so those <laughs> – I do think – I do think, and I agreed with uh, – I think it was Rob Young who wrote a piece on this talking about – you know, what made an event prestigious? And part of it was like, you know, sitting on time. The tournament starts and it starts. There's not people coming in and out and re entering and all that kind of stuff. Like, from a pure prestige perspective and like making the event special, I'm all about freeze out, start on time. Absolutely. Right. Now, yeah. here's the issue, though, Mike. We got to think about this mm-hmm. is the issue that a lot of poker players, and I can't wait. Now that I'm, you know, not affiliated with any site, right? Because right. anytime I say something in the past, people go, oh, you're just a show Saying right. that because, Yeah, uh, I've heard that a million things. times. It's yeah. not, it's not, and, I'd, and I'll bet, I think, a thousand lighter sectors to prove that my theories the and thoughts on this are aligned with reality, which is when we when you run a tournament, let's say the Bellagio runs a tournament, okay?
5: Mm-hmm.
3: They have overhead. They have dealers. They have staff. They have television production. They have the mm-hmm. WPT. They have um, other tables that are being taken up, which could be used for cash games. they got to make some fucking money on this thing. If they don't make money on this thing, guess what? The thing don't exist. Right. run it if they don't make money so the problem we face or whatever you want to call it is re-entry is here to stay because say these venues that can only fit like 300 people or something like that they really need like six or seven or eight hundred to be profitable they're gonna allow people to re-enter in those I just think there's some from a I
0: think one one re-entry is fine if you travel across the country and you get you get cooler one re I think one re-entry is fine I just I, I just don't think it's uh, 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 unlimited
3: re Well, I don't. Is. Like, honestly, I prefer, I really do. I prefer a tournament with no re entry. Right. I really do. Me too. No yeah. I'd rather have no re entry. Having said that, if you're going to have re entry and you're deciding to do it, I don't really care mm-hmm. if it's a one, two, three, four, because when you buy in and you know the structure sheet, you know what it is, you know, you can choose if you don't like to play. You don't want to play in these unlimited where people go crazy and fire six, seven bullets. You know, if you don't think that's worthwhile, then don't play. Yeah. There's plenty of tournaments. I right? just think. It's not think all like that. If it's think... all like that, that would be a problem.
0: I think of the tournament before I got my injury in 2013. When I went out to Florida, they had the five million guaranteed, five thousand buy-in. I finished 53rd in that event, but Bonomo won it, and he bought in nine times. Now there was like 300 satellite winners in that thing. Like, can you imagine? You say. How did he win it? I busted him. Another guy, another you know guy who satellite winner. How did he win? I busted him. How wouldn't that put a sour taste in your mouth? Oh, I ain't gonna play satellite. Yeah, and, and you, 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 see you know, you're saying? right
3: about that as well as not only that. I mean, the bottom line is reentry makes tournaments tougher because now you have like a bonimo or Jason Koon or Phil Ivey, right. and you got to bust them not once, not twice, not three. Right. Sometimes you got to bust them five times. That's hard to do. Right. So you essentially, each re-enter, and the vast majority of people who are re-entering uh, are professional. right, like, professionals. I don't think that recreational players, they don't, they don't re-buy, they don't re-enter at the same rate as pros do. Right. So what that does is the consecration and the ecosystem of the tournament, it makes it far more, most, the more of the bullets are pro-heavy. Right, which, and um, we don't want, more, we want difficult. the, it it the recreational for the player. player to cash. Having said that, if you do have a bunch of idiots like me, who play the five diamond and just fire like a madman and go mm. all in blind, Mm-hmm. That does help in a lot of ways, in the sense of a, it can, you know gives you a free shot to double in some spots. B, mm-hmm. when you do cash, you're going to cash for a lot more because they threw a bunch of dead money into the prize pool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's it, just A and B. <laughs> I thought they yeah, were just C, but just y-
0: you know, I just like right now, I think it's so important to bring bring as many new people as many. The more money we bring in the poker, the better it is. You don't want to make a recreational player that. Places one time a year at the World Series, or whatever. You don't want to make. I'm just scared the World Series is going to turn into unlimited rebuys in every tournament. Well, and here, just here's going what to here's another thing. I'm going to push
3: back yeah. again. I'm going to push back again on something okay. important, which we talked about, which is revenue, right? Mm-hmm. So World Series of Poker, they didn't do this until they were forced to, and I'll tell you why they're forced to. Venetian, you know, right. Win, all these other places downtown are having these daily $400, $600 buy-ins at low levels with rebuys and reentries. And they're very popular. What that does to the Rio is it takes bodies out of the Rio and sends mm-hmm. them other places. Now, instead of allowing them to leave and go other places when you can get that revenue there, you just offer some of the same events that they would go to other places right. for. Now, people are still going to go play the other events, but they had to compete with what the market was driving Correct. to, which is a lot of these re-entry, small buying events. Mm-hmm. So they've just done what they've had to do to keep up. And, I, you know, it really bothers me. A lot when people shit on the World Series so much, mm-hmm. in terms of, ah that this, this like it bothers me because like fucking you selfish prick like you know how hard it is to do this like they everyone thinks that everyone thinks they're making oh they're making bad billions and billions of dollars that running that event is not easy and if they weren't no. making a lot of money guess what they wouldn't exist and no, that's me- my fear is that we and Jack Eiffel
0: talked about it. He goes, Mike, do you know how many bottles of water, how much that costs? Do you know how, and he, you know, he sat down with me and he explained, and listen, I know what, what they put on now, how much work it takes is unbelievable. I had Maury Donnie on my uh, podcast about three weeks ago. And, uh, He says, you know, Mike, we have been in meeting after meeting after meeting since January. And so he was explaining to me like the work that goes in to this event. And so I have turned a little bit of an eye towards how you're thinking. You know,
3: I got a little bit upset when. Well, listen, Mike, Mike, listen, this is the thing. All poker players, we run a business. Your business is you. Right. And it drives me nuts when poker players whose goal. Isn't it and their goal is to maximize their own profit, right? Right. But then when the company that's running the event tries to do things to increase their profit, oh screw them, fuck them, they're taken out of my piece. Yeah. So, I mean listen, if you don't think it's profitable for you and you don't think it's worthwhile as an investment of your time or your money to play in these things, you can't beat it or whatever, then don't play. But don't (laughs) besmirch capitalism when a company is trying to look at the numbers and say, you know what? The rake right now we're charging is uh, 10%. If we up it to 12% on these things, I think that will increase our revenue across the board so that we can do this by X and Y. We make more money, whatever. Everybody's in that business. Like It doesn't make sense when, as a pro, you're saying, it's fair for me to try to make maximum profit, but not fair for you, the organizer, to do the exact same thing. I don't care if it's Poker Stars, World Series of Poker, anybody. As long (laughs) as they're transparent and honest about what they're charging... You as a consumer or a player as a pro, you get to decide for yourself, is this worth it to me to play? And if not, you can complain a bit or whatever, but like, you know, that, that's the way the world works. These
0: were the two biggest problems I have with the World Series. Other than that, I fucking am all in with everything you're saying. My two biggest when they first ran the Colossus, I think it was two years ago, and they took like... A million rake and seven twenty-five for first. There should never be more. Right? It should have been a million for first and seven twenty-five for. I just I couldn't see raking more than first place, and I, I had a problem.
5: Well,
3: with Well, let that. me ask you this. Well, so what? So like, like, okay, we can make an extreme example of this. Okay. Let's say you're playing against the sucker, and you're playing him heads up poker, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, and now on the river, like, you know, you know, you know, he'll you, you know he'll call you know, uh, 100K, right? Are you going to bet? You know he's going to call for 100K. He's going to pay you right. it. Are you going to bet 30? Because you feel like, well, you know, a hundred's probably too much to take from this poor guy. Mm-hmm. You're going to bet 100, and you're going to fucking take this guy's money. Mm-hmm. So this colossus, super popular. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands yeah, of people want to pay yeah. to play this. It's a vastly successful event. So they're going to look at it and go, listen, we're going to have a good take on this. It's going to be a real good event for us, the company. Mm-hmm. And bottom line is, Clearly, by demand, people want to fucking play it. Right. If they didn't, they wouldn't show up.
4: Makes the only sense. way
3: that you can get companies to lower their fees mm-hmm. or lower their rake in certain areas is to see those numbers of people drop significantly, right? If right. people start saying, well, no, we're not going to play them, well, then, all of a sudden, now they have to restructure their, their payouts. But if everyone, if, if, if everyone still shows up, whether it's 10% or 12%, and you don't see a drop-off,
5: mm-hmm.
3: then what kind of fool would you be, in a sense, to not look at that as a possible opportunity to increase your revenue. Okay. Like every other poker player does in every single hand that they play when they try to maximize value by betting the right amount.
0: That's fair. Now, this other only other problem I have, now this would never affect you because you bring your own food, but let's say you go into the poker kitchen and you want to get something to eat. And even in a 10K, whatever, they give you $10 or I think it's 15 last year of food money, but then... For a slice of pizza and a Coke, it's $21. And I'm just like, the least they could do is get, pay for your meal. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It, so, it's,
3: that it, again, that comes back to, first of all, first of all, like, and I didn't say this before, but it was like nobody owes you a living as right. a pro, pro or play, right? Nobody does. So, they're going to charge their prices. You don't, if you do not like the customer service, you don't like the experience, you don't feel like they're taking good care of you. You take your business elsewhere, you don't play, or you, or you prepare other ways, which is like you said, to bring your own food, to, you know, to do other things like that. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I totally understand where you're coming it from. It just seems it so kind of chintzy, a, that's all. It sucks to get a food voucher for 10 bucks when every meal is $22, yeah. right? But bottom line is, you have to make the decision for yourself. That's Why true. do you show up to the World Series of Poker, Mike? Right. You show up to make money, right? right. Yep. So overall, when you show up every day, you think that every day you show up, you're profiting, even with. Paying 22 bucks for that meal, you still think it's a profit? If you didn't, you wouldn't be there.
0: I just listen. It just looks so cheap. It just looks. It just. Why would you want to come off? It's just like the one year where the urinals were out for the entire World Series. It's like really you can't get you can't get somebody over here to get the to get the bathrooms. You don't have to worry about that problem. But but like there was literally like like seven urinals out the entire world series. And I was like, how could they not get somebody over here to fix it? Or remember the year that you had the thermometer going, it was like 66 degrees in there and they couldn't adjust the temperature. And it, they, it took them six weeks to find out that it was being run off a different system. Like it just doesn't seem too hard to fix. That's all.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem, but it is right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Listen. Do you think Jack and Ty and all these guys want these headaches? Do you think no. that they don't care that they don't hear? So oh, clearly, they. there's many moving parts when you when you work in a corporation. Right. There are a lot of like moving parts to get from point A to point B. So yeah, everyone knows the toilets are out. They make the phone calls mm-hmm. to the people that are supposed to get the toilets. Those people say we can't get there till this date, that date. Players are pissed. Right. People are pissed. Like nobody wants that. Like nobody wants. The room to be freezing. Like right. they're not happy about it. But listen, it's a huge undertaking to do. They do overall, I think, a pretty damn good job. they do. But there's going to be times where there's going to be times where you know shit happens. It's just you know shit happens. Things are not going to go so well. That's why a lot of people that are excited about the Rio maybe moving somewhere else. I'm like, I'm be not. careful what you wish for. Yeah. Be careful where, what you wish for. Where, where, where are they going to be?
0: Where you have that kind of access? I I still what's you don't know. Like
3: that? a lot of people will look back on the Rio and be like. Man, I miss it being there. Like and you know what poker players do. This is what we all do. Yes. We complain and bitch. Yes we do all the time. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you give somebody a free you give somebody a free drink and you say, What the fuck? Where's my straw? <laughs> right? I mean it's like <laughs> yeah. that's that's poker players. You know, what? you didn't give me a straw. It's like we, I just gave you a free drink. We, <laughs> 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 hey,
0: you know, you made a good point about uh them, you know, trying to compete with the market. And what they what they did a couple of years ago and they, i guess they're doing this year is they're having the king's club uh you know that big uh cash game where the higher area buy-ins is but th- i still i wish they would announce it more
3: because why would people like not well that's an exclusive thing though so so that that whole area that's mm-hmm. what they're trying to do to like you know kind of offer some highland service god i like, wish we had the cash I don't more, but i know like they're offering special food they're offering you know Little bit more amenities, they're trying right. to class up to join a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're always trying to innovate in different ways. And like, it's just frustrating to me knowing how much work goes into these promotions and these ideas because I've worked in the industry mm-hmm. both as a player and, you know, on the other end for a long time. And like, I get it. Like, poker players, they're focused on me, 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 what's good for me. I'm like, okay, you know what's good for you? What's good for you is if the company that's putting on the thing makes money, if the location makes money. Because guess what? As I've said before, if they don't, you don't make no money either yeah, because there's no No, money.
0: It, it's, it's a good point. You know, me and Matt Savage talked on, I think it was my second podcast, is poker's changed. It was always run the tournaments to get people in to play cash games. Well, now, unfortunately, it's, it's get people in to play tournaments and get a big volume of people. And it sucks that there's, you know, we were talking about ways to get it like it used to be and where you're playing in the 400, 800, 3, 600 mixed game, and the guy just busts out of a 3,000 buy-in tournament. He plops down 20 grand. He's steaming. He dusts it off in five minutes. I mean, that's where we used to make all the money, even, even when you were a tournament Well, you, player, did. Yeah. you
3: did, yeah. You did now, but here's what you got to do now, supply yeah. and demand, right? So right. now, like you said, people are coming in to play the tournament. Right. Now people come in to play a tournament, so when they bust, what do they want to do? They want to play another tournament. So that's why you see a proliferation of side events, deep stack events, small buy-ins and stuff, to right. satisfy those people that they don't want to play cash. Right. You know, they want to play tournaments. So yeah. if you're a company, you have to adjust and adapt yeah. to the market. Whatever's happening, whatever the trends are, you know, if you were a stud player back in the day and you were good at it, stud die dried right up. You have a choice. You either learn how to play hold'em or you move on to getting the job. You know, if you're a company and now all of a sudden you know, nobody wants to play cash games, you've got to fill those seats with other things, tournaments. Whatever you got to think, you got to think big about but, always being one step ahead. And this is true for poker as a player, and it is for business, whether it's poker or any business. You have to move. Look at Blockbuster, right? Blockbuster was a huge company. Did right. you ever see the day when they go completely under? Right. Well, technology mm-hmm. came about, made right. them obsolete, and now you can't find a Blockbuster anymore. Mm-hmm. Let me ask them.
0: like, but if they advertised uh, in the high limit area, right, and and they said. All the good deal. We have no bad dealers in this area. It's all our top dealers. Um, and you, you don't want, do you want people to bust and go across the streets to Bellagio and play cash or the Aria? Don't you want them in that area? I mean, there's got to be a
3: way to well, let promote me that. that. So you want to, okay, so you want to do that. I get it. You want to give these guys, you know, the best of the best, mm-hmm. right? Well, so what are they going to bring in on those games that makes it worth it? Are you okay with, if you get these services, which is, you know, food and the best dealers mm. paying more in, 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 in fees. Right.
0: Oh, I am.
3: But so you know, that's the question, right? Like some people, and that's the thing, like with a premium product, and I used to say this about PokerStars, right? So when they were raising rake and stuff like that, they were doing it because they could, first mm. and foremost, and also because they have a premium product. Like mm. it is, you know, the software was, you know, for, for most online players, uh, you know, view the best, right? So there's, you call it premium. Like when you go to a hotel sometimes, they have regular internet, and you can pay for premium internet, right. right? Both are internet, but if you want to spend a little extra, you know, if you, if you want better internet, it's like, okay, we well, got to pay for it. Well, if you th- want better deals, you want better food, you want all that stuff, that money's got to come from somewhere, and it's usually coming out of players' pockets, and I they li- typically don't like that.
0: I like that analysis you made, because when they got rid of net neutrality, I'm like, well, why should they have net neutrality? If, if they could charge more for a premium internet service... Why, did, why is there a law that they all have to be the same? You see what I'm saying? I want the cash games back at the World Series so when people bust, they dump that 20 ball or 30
5: ball. I mean, well,
3: like I said, Mike, you know, a lot of stud players from the 70s and 80s, they'll yeah. say this. Well, you know what I want? I want players to bust from these tournaments and come and play in these stud games. The gotcha. Times change, okay? There's no market for it yeah. anymore. People don't want to do it as much as they used to. So you, as a pro, either have to adjust to that, right? And, you know, do other things or whatever, or, you know...
0: Well, I just don't want to go... I don't want to go across the street to Bellagio and wait in line uh, for three hours to get in the game. That's what I... I'd rather the what, bust and go into that high element area and uh, get in a the game there with a bunch... Because you remember, when people bust tournaments, those games were juicy as can be. So, anyways, Daniel, I've got some call-in... Um, People that have given some questions, uh, I'm going to play three of those for you, and then uh, you can answer them on air, and uh, I'll also uh, read some emails that people sent. So, Danny, play those. Uh, let's play those uh call-ins.
2: Hey, here's a question I got for uh, both Mike and Daniel. Um, this is Matt calling from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, do you guys think they'll ever bring back the uh, Heads Up Poker Championship? You know, Mike, this is the one you won a few years back against Phil Hellmuth. Um, it was on NBC, I believe. Because I think they should bring that back. That was really enjoyable and fun to watch. Just one of your thoughts. Thanks, guys.
0: I heard it's coming back. What would you hear?
3: Well, here's the thing, and I'm going to answer this very similarly to how I answer a lot of questions is. Okay. Who's paying for it? Okay? Mm-hmm. If we have anybody that has a worthwhile interest, And I think the interest could come if we continue to see, you know, sports, uh, sports betting operations like across the United States want to get more involved and maybe sponsor something like this. Because these Mm -hmm. things are not free to put on. Right. So you've got to like people, people say, oh, I want to see this. I want to see. I'm like, OK, who's paying for it and who's sponsoring it? And if you don't have an answer to those questions, then it's not going to happen. But I mean, who knows? Like with the landscape changing, I think there's a possibility it could come back. It was you know, relatively popular in the time spot that NBC had it on. Um, Maury told
4: me about a year ago
0: they were working on it, but then I haven't talked to him since then. He said they were real close to bringing it back. So I don't know. Maybe, you know, more. I I don't, you're, you're you're probably more involved than I am. So you would know more of it. Um, But anyway, let's go to the next question.
4: Hey Mike, this is John. This question is for you and Daniel, I guess. So if the Rio is sold, Will they continue to do the WSOP, or do you, will it go up for an auction on who runs it, or how would that work? Thank you. We well, are... I
3: mean, as far as I know, the World Series of Poker would move, mm-hmm. and I, I've heard of one specific venue that is potentially suitable for it. I mean, they do own the brand. Mm-hmm. The brand has some value, so I would a think that uh, there, it would be worthwhile for them. I mean, there's always the potential, too, that they would sell it to a potential no buyer, but I would think that... Um, the World Series will continue to go on and hopefully forever.
0: Where's the uh what what the, any kind of hint where you thought it might be end up? Can you so say there's that? been
3: discussion and talk about it being, you know, right around where the link is, right behind oh. there. Oh, but is there a
0: what hotel would it be? Oh oh they would just put a tent up back there or
3: No oh, I'm not sure. Oh. Somewhere in that area, oh. you know, which is probably a little more congested for, for parking and things yeah. like that it be I mean pe- like
0: you said people watch what you wish for the way to get into the Rio it's so easy to get in and out there's so much space I, I just couldn't figure out a place that's owned by Haras that can house the WSOP and I'm, I'm really worried it might get moved to Florida and that would really really diminish yeah. the
3: I don't think it'll move from Las Vegas oh god I hope
4: you're right no, I was kind of worried about that
0: okay let's hear the next question
4: Hey Mike, it's Steve from Las Vegas. Uh, I love the show. Uh, great guest, uh, Daniel. Well, welcome to the mouthpiece. Uh, got a couple of quick questions here uh, and, and a comment. Daniel, first off, I'd like to uh, say kudos uh, for letting everybody attempt to buy a piece of you for the World Series and best of luck uh, in the series. My question uh, is around the way that it happened uh uh, do you feel that you know the added stress of the over selling is going to have any effect on your game and i know that you said that uh, you're going to be making it up to the people that um purchased but didn't get to it um can you give any insight as to what the VIP package might be? And uh, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, I look sure. forward to the answers. Daniel, good luck. Mike, even better. All lot. right, thanks. Take down, buddy. Both
3: fair, and good, fair and good questions. First of all, um, as far as affecting my play, thankfully for me I have a team of people that are going to be handling this, um, and it won't affect me while I'm playing. While I do my vlogging and stuff like that, it's really not that disruptive. I, I shoot all the stuff on my cell phone. I have people that edit overnight and they release it on social media for me. Uh, And and as far as this specific project, like uh, I've thought a lot about how I'm going to, because it's about 7,500 people that were affected that were, um, you know, that purchased the piece that, you know, ultimately got a refund. So what I'm going to be doing in the future is offer opportunities for them to buy pieces at no markup. That could be in the form of one-off during the World Series. So let's say, for example, you know, the 50K coming up, I might sell 10% more to those people specifically. They'll have exclusive access to it because I want to make sure that they get action on the money that they wanted to put in. And it'll take me a while to make sure that everybody's gotten a chance to, to get that piece. But there's big events coming up like super high roller bowl. And then of course the world series of poker next year for any people that, you know, didn't get in, they will be first priority. We're going to look to uh, really kind of like create sort of like a VIP club of this group. That going forward, they're always going to have any sort of exclusive opportunities at uh, the no markup pieces that I give.
0: Now I'm gonna I want to hit on something because I didn't tell you about this. So what I did is, of course, nothing on your level, but because I, I think I told you I, because I you know I'm selling a markup of my ten Ks. I gave ten percent at all my fifteen hundreds at at uh, no markup. Sold it out in like half a second, and I also. I ran a promotion based on my on my blockers for dummies video and it was a uh uh kind of like uh multi- like asking uh questions what was on the towel how big was the dildo just all these cr- just crazy questions and then like if I wanted, when they'd call back I'd fuck with them make make uh tougher questions and anyway this guy uh, Benjamin he um called in like <laughs> like eight times and I kept stumping him or whatever. He finally got it and he won won a a, a 1%. And then he told me, you know, uh, he's been suffering with um, testicular cancer. And so, you know, me, I said, well, you know what, I'm gonna give you 1% for calling in and sticking to it and I'm gonna give you another 1% to your uh, prostate cancer charity. So uh, this guy, Ben, is very appreciative. He really made my last podcast great. And I'm gonna tell you what he just sent us for both of us. He said, I think I'm late, but anyways, figured I'd shoot something to you guys for the Daniel Mike special. First off, I'm so glad you guys are doing this. Uh, The fans demand it. I don't really have a question. Just think you both got more in common that maybe you give each other credit for. Both stand up guys. Met both of you as a fan over multiple occasions for the years and been treated with great respect and gratitude each time. Also, both have love for a game that is unparalleled. Mike leaves his heart on the table and wears it on his sleeve, and Daniel has done more for the game than most. He really cares about the future of poker and what's best for the game, which I really respect. Long story short, both great men, great ambassadors, hall of famers of the game that can be proud of their accomplishments on and off the felt. Also great friends to people who know them and to those who admire the world abroad. Many more similarities I'm sure. I'm closing having this discussion can hopefully bring people together and are having those same difficulties within their own circles and friends and family that maybe relate to the issues you both have experienced. Everyone is entitled to an opinion and at the end of the day, it's our differences that make us great. And showing love and having respect for each other is what is most important. Must respect to both of you, no matter what the topics are that come up. I'll be surely one for the ages. Love you both. Have a great night, Ben. That was a great...
3: Well, that sure sounds like a good note to end on.
0: (laughs) It sure the heck does. It really, really does. So, hey, Daniel, this has been a... A fucking amazing interview. Um, my love for you has always been the same. I'm so glad that this interview took place. Um, not just for me and you, but for the poker world. The, the un- We don't need to be uncomfortable anymore. We can fuck with each other. I could fucking come in your trailer. You could kick me the fuck out like you always do. Well,
3: don't be coming in my trailer. For <laughs> oh, yeah. Day. Now that you're married, I can yeah,
0: you, you I, I, kind of,
3: I go to the trailer for Peace and Quiet. I, How do you think Mike Matisot contributes to Peace and Quiet in the trailer? That's a no-no.
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing, man. I love you, bro. Thanks for coming on the mouthpiece. Much luck at the World Series this year. Me and you are taking home the gold. You can mark it down. Let's do it, man. It was a pleasure. I love you, ma'am. Take care. I'll see
3: you Let's soon. Alright. Bye-bye. Alright man, take care. Bye. The mouthpiece.
0: Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed part one and part two of my great interview with my good friend, Daniel Nagrani. I'm so glad to call him my good friend again. It's been a tough three years and we've finally put everything behind us. And I, I hope you really enjoyed this interview. And I wish all of you a great World Series of Poker. This is Mike the Mouth for The Mouthpiece, signing out. Talk to you live at the World Series of Poker, starting
5: early.